Hello, welcome to another episode of the Richmond Bigfooty Tiger Cast. Although tonight's a, a very special episode, and uh, to quote a, a great In Excess song, despite the use of Port Adelaide, I'm seeing it before the game, two worlds have collided. Uh, tonight we've got a very special guest on. He's co host of the Richmond Tiger Talk podcast that's been going since 2011. Andy, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, Chris. It's, uh, it's strange not to say, um, uh, to hear Nick's uh, dulcet tones at the start of a podcast, but um, yeah. I, I've been, uh, even though you, you were the new guys on the block, I've been, we've been uh, admiring your work. Um, we were just talking off air, your clearly superior um, sound quality was uh, something that's really stood out to me, and you've had some great guests over the years, so um, uh, one thing I discovered a few years ago is there's uh, plenty of space in the podcasting world. I agree, and I think it's good that we can coexist like that because while we talk about the same topic, it's done in different manners. So, and like I was saying off air, I really like how you guys just have the two of you and it runs really smoothly and I'll often have a few more guests on so it ends up being a bit more Q&A and different posters, different voices every week. So I think there's a bit of variety out there for the Richmond supporters and not to mention the obviously the official club show with Richo and the boys. Yeah, it's kind of off-putting. I mean, I don't know about you, but Richo was my favourite player growing up, um, and it's sort of weird because we came before the official pod, uh, club podcast, and then you're sort of in co- competing in inverted uh, brackets yeah. with um, with your childhood heroes. So that that, that was sort of a, a bit of a, a emotional um, uh, hurdle to get over. But I, I think Richo will be okay. I don't think we've stolen too many of his uh, audience numbers. No, especially I suppose the the big leg up they have over both of us is the inside word they obviously get viral all the club and access to the players and things like that so have you guys ever had a a current play whether it was back then or now on have you ever had any luck with that oh yeah we've had um we've had done quite a few players um and some of my favorites actually anthony miles and Liam McBean. um but we don't um it's hard because um uh, Nick and I are based in uh, different places, um, and it's sort of uh, we haven't prioritised as much as recent years. And particularly when you're doing such a good job, we're, we're sort of not as um, we're we're not as a rush to do it. But there's a couple of interviews where, where you've done where you've done, which I thought, oh yeah, he was a good one to interview. Um, Conrad Marshall, for instance, would be yeah. someone uh, who's a good interview. Um, but you know, generally we just bring um, a fellow, uh, you know, a fellow fan on for a bit of colour. But at the end of the day, the, the atmosphere we're trying to create is, it's just, you know, this might come as a shock with brothers, and we just we're just trying to record what the conversations we have in it anyway. And if people are into conversations about the correlation between uh, rock hitouts and um, victory, they'll listen. And if they don't, they'll listen to the many other options. So what kind of sparked the thought for you guys to start recording all those years ago? Well, for me, um, it was Bill... Uh, actually, both Nick and I, we both love Bill Simmons, uh, the American um, sportscaster who combines being a hardcore Boston fan with actually serious analysis, so not just homerism, um, but a bit of advanced stats, but also um, uh, genuine um, chemistry with his guests and, you know, sometimes if he's friends on. But um, your you're in the same situation. None of us have been paid to do it. Uh, what inspired you? Uh, basically, there was just a bit of a, a shift on the Richmond Big Footy board that um, the view was they wanted to get a podcast. The mods wanted a podcast out there because um, a few of the other team boards were doing it as well. And they just threw it out there to see who wanted to host. And there was a lot of people saying they'd love to come on as a guest, but no one was putting their hand up. And um, I suppose they've done a lot of 
public speaking and coaching and DJing. So I, I kind of felt I was in a comfortable space with the talking part of it. So I thought I'll have a crack and see how it goes. And here we are, was it three, two or three years later? So yeah, it's been going all right. Yeah, I think you were very nicely reached out when you first started. Um, but um, uh, at least someone associated with the podcast did. But the, yeah. the, um, the thing is, like, podcasting is all about, turn, like so many things in life, it's about turning up, isn't it? Um, you do it every week, people get to know you and they enjoy it. Um, you know, everyone can do it for one week uh, and come on and say, you know, um, they love so-and-so or so-and-so sucks, but um, it is turning up every week and finding something different to say. Um, but, you know, this is deeply, you know, talk about uh, podcasters talking about podcasters. Could there be anything more uh, 2019 and also less interesting for the listener? <laughs> uh, well, I think people enjoy hearing the space of the two different backgrounds and how both of these podcasts come about. So it's oh, it's interesting to hear how it all happens. I suppose back then when you guys would have started, there obviously would have been a lot less um, technology, I suppose, around to get it off the ground too. Yeah, I think we were, at the time, I think it was a Bomber Blitz podcast, uh, yep. RIP. Um, God, imagine that would have been great listening during the... the herb, oh, 2012, uh, how good that would have been. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I don't think... I think we might be the longest running one now. Um, uh, and yeah, there weren't as many around, but you know, there were... It, the sort of the podcast revolution had begun in America, so it was possible to get, um, you know, Podbean, which we both use, was around then, and so a lot of the tech was available. Um, it was just Twitter wasn't as big thing then, um, but we used to promote through the forums, um, yep. uh, and we don't so much on Bigfoot anymore because I figure that's your space. But um, you know, everyone was always very supportive, and you know what? It's amazing how little negative feedback we've got over the years considering you know we're a fairly niche product um and you know especially me can be a bit smart arsey at times about certain players or coaches but like ha- have you got much negative feedback not really i think people appreciate the content that it's about something that they love and they're passionate about and they understand that we're also passionate about it too and as long as everyone's okay with accepting that our opinions might not be the same as theirs i think it's good grounds for good discussion but yeah, I've not really had any negative feedback. If anything, the main feedback I've kind of had is it'd be good to have a bit more sort of confrontational or debates about certain topics instead of a lot of people agreeing with each other, which I think is a fair enough call. Yeah, and but it's a, it's a tough mix because, I mean, there's nothing worse than those ESPN uh, fake hot take shows where they, you know, they have pretend arguments about, yeah. uh, uh, you know, whether LeBron's the greatest of all time or not. You know, do we really care? Um you know, I'm I'm interested in people who debate. You, you know, who's the best of our small forwards? Things like that. You know, yeah. Tell me something I don't know. And it, it's got to be genuine, doesn't it? You can't just you know create that kind of thing because you, you can see through it otherwise. Yeah, I mean, Steve Morris playing as a forward did genuinely drive me nuts. Yeah, it was an interesting move, wasn't it? That one. Uh, I, I I got what they were trying to do. But yes. I just don't think he was the right player to do it. But then conversely, back playing in the back line in the VFL now, he's absolutely killing it. Yeah, oh, well, absolutely. And, you know, good on him. He's clearly a great guy. But it's sort of, you know, there would be issues that I would talk about a lot on the podcast, but it's because I wanted to talk about them. And, you know, we've had, um, we've just had certain themes that go through and sometimes it gets a bit repetitive. But, you know, that's the nature of the beast. Now we're heading, well, we've just come out of the bye week, sitting ninth with uh, seven wins, six losses. Is that where you guys thought we would be about at the halfway mark of the year, or do you think we've overachieved given our sort of circumstances? Well, I mean, uh, that 
I sort of my, my hot take is it, it's very hard to definitively conclude whether this season's been successful or not yet because it's just such a massive axe streaks the amount of injuries and the positions they've been at and to have so many at one position for instance to lose your whole midfield rotation except for Dusty and then to lose Ross as well who's your first backup um, you, you know it, it's compounding injuries to lose both key backs um, all that sort of thing it, it's just been so catastrophic it's hard to measure but the thing that's kept us in the season is a couple of brave wins for instance the Fremantle win but um, so I actually think it's a win thus far relative to the, mm. to the injuries. Um, but w- what do you reckon? Um, yeah, I, I think I'm actually really pleased with where we're at. And I actually liked the term you used on your bi-week podcast, the injuring clusters with, I suppose, referencing to certain parts of the ground. And it's so right. And I was actually talking to a, a Collingwood friend at work and they had the same issue last year with the, all their backmen went down and they were playing just the most ridiculous plays down there. And that's kind of where we've gotten to. And, and based on that, to be ahead of the ledger at the bye was a good pass mark. And I don't know, maybe maybe I'm wrong thinking this, but I've always had in the back of my mind that the club were comfortable with where they were at as well, setting up for a second half of the year attack. Yeah. Um, I think so. I guess the, 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 the key question to me and the variable that's going around in my head is these blokes coming back, how fit are they going to be? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, maybe we'll talk about the injuries in a sec um, uh, before we get ahead. But um, like that—that's you know, if you if you get them all back and they're one hundred percent by about round nineteen, well, you're in with a red hot chance. Yep. If you just get people who they look like the people you remember but aren't uh, performing at fifteen percent less, uh, that's that's not good. I mean, one thing to go back to the the um, the car wreck at the Adelaide game. Dusty's probably looking the best he has all year, don't you reckon? I think he has, but he's definitely worked into it. Early on, he was very lackluster. He probably had a few mates that were the same, to be fair. But um, the last few weeks, I think he's really stepped up uh, and is showing signs of, of what he was producing in 17 and 18, but just hasn't had that support around him. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's on the flip side, is your, your best player's actually starting to look really good. Uh, well, you know, for whatever reason, it might be, as you say, the supporting cast. But that, uh, you know, that's the upside. Uh now, if these guys can come back, um, um, you asked uh, me offline about, you know, what do I think of our finals chances? Um, well, have you checked the odds? I haven't, no. What's it we're saying? Still, we're paying $1.40 to make the top eight. I, and to be honest, I'm pro- I don't know. I feel like I've been playing this card for a while, even on social media, but I think that's fair enough still because I look at the, the fixture and what's remaining so far. So the draw's pretty reasonable. Now, the first two games yep. back after the bye are absolute non-negotiable must-wins against St Kilda at Marvel and Gold Coast at Metricon. And then we start our stretch of MCG games with the Giants, Port Adelaide, Collingwood, Melbourne, Carlton, West Coast, Brisbane. Um, you know, everyone yep. does those later predictors. And I did one a couple of weeks ago, and I had us finishing sixth, um, and that was losing to GWS, Collingwood, and West Coast. But the thing that's, I think, turned this on its head a little bit is Port Adelaide beating Geelong. I didn't factor that in. I figured Geelong were going to lose another game somewhere. Wasn't sure where, but that tightens it up again. Yeah, and one of the... So we're in a chase situation. Uh, I think we can safely assume that we beat the Saints this week. It's a nine-team race to the top eight. Um, And... If you have a look, one slight thing we have to go past the Fremantle and Port is uh, at least Fremantle. They have quite a soft run home too. 
Um, yep. Now, all, all the sort of all the odds makers and all the ladder predictor guys have us overtaking Fremantle. Um, basically, on most of the models, we finish half a game ahead of them, which we're going to need to. Um, you know, on average, uh, we're going to need to because uh, they have a better percentage. Um, but you know, unfortunately, you know, Fremantle, uh, they've got the Blues away. Um, Oh, sorry, no, they've got the Blues at home next week. Uh, they've got the Derby, so they'll probably lose that. But then they've got the Hawks, the Swans, the Bulldogs, the Cats. Man. Then they've got the Saints, the Bombers, and then round 23, the Power, which they might be playing to make uh, in a loser-leaves-town uh, make the top eight game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so there's quite a lot of there's quite a lot of soft games in there, and uh, Ports themselves uh, have three games um, in a row coming up at the Adelaide Oval, including the showdown. Um but the one thing about Port is they have to play us at the MCG. That's um, going to be the eight-point game, I reckon. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean that's we're in a. Ch- it's going to be hard to finish higher than um, uh, you know seven six. I mean, if we get a home final, that would be just an absolute bonus, especially since we're probably playing against an interstate team. Um, but yeah, that's the chase situation. We're, we're relying yeah. on the run home. Has to be the aim. Um, I mean, top four is well and truly gone. That's fair enough, but. Fifth or sixth, I think it's achievable. And like when I was looking at the fix the other day for the other teams, I think that's important for people to look at as well, is a lot of these teams around us actually play each other quite a few times in different sort of formulas on the way home as well as teams above them. So someone has to drop games at some point that's around us, which gives us the chance to leapfrog a couple and not worry about the percentage so much. Like, okay, yeah, it'd be great if we can jag a few, you know, 50, 60 point wins, but I don't think we're going to have to rely on that. We can't afford to rely on that, essentially. It has to be points-based. But, yeah, make sure everyone out there is, you know, wondering about finals. Make sure you look at who the other teams around us are playing and just keep that in the back of your mind. They have to lose games as well because they're playing each other. The the one thing is there is still a margin of error for us, um, but it's getting very low. Yeah. And that's why these first two games are so critical. If if we win both of these, it gives us a bit of a platform to make a full-blown assault on those last seven games. And um, I think by round 18, we we may have 90% of our list back. And that's we have to get through to that mark um, relatively unscathed. Yeah, so the injuries, um, you know, I think that's a good time to turn to it. the Peter Burge report uh, that uh, everyone's doing really well. Apparently, I think um, uh, I think Peter Burge would turn up a funeral and say that um, there's been a few setbacks in his rehab, and uh, well, it's <laughs> going to take a few more weeks than we expected for him to get, be right. Um, but it's uh, I mean, had, had, have you read the same reports? I mean, it's uh, just reading the the Burge talk. I think I think Cochin Edwards probably Lambert and Asprey are all going to play by the sound of it. Yeah, I took that from it as well. I reckon those four are, are almost certain. These Lambert would be maybe the only one with a small question mark over him. Yeah, um, But I reckon the first three are absolute shoe-ins to play. And uh, this might be a simplistic thing to say, but even in the Adelaide game, you replace Garthwaite with Asprey, and I reckon we win. Just because Tex and um, Jenkins wouldn't have kicked the amount of goals they did with someone a bit more experienced like Asprey on him. And that might be simplistic and there might be other factors at play as well, but I think he's an important cog to the team. So those three are huge ins. And obviously Short is going to return in a couple of weeks as well. Uh, match fitness going well too. Yeah, they said he seemed to... Like, Burge actually said he might... It's up to the coaching staff where he plays on the weekend. Okay. Huh. So, I mean, obviously he's not going to play once, but, you know, I, that surprises me that... Um, uh, 
um, it, you know, that uh, he's that close. But, you know, so I feel sorry for the poor guy. You know, can you imagine the 22nd guy on our VFL team right now? Um, yeah. How unlikely he, he would have expected to be playing, uh, you know, Richmond VFL. Um, but, yeah, uh, looks like I think a few of those guys are going to go back to amateur footy. On the Jaden Short situation, it's sort of a question without notice, but you've got, obviously, Stack and Hawley running off the half-back line currently. Uh, Manager floats through there, but he'll obviously drop straight back out. But let's say that Stack, Hawley and Short are all available at the same time. Where does Stack play? Because there's no way in the world they're going to drop him. No, I mean, Stack's probably... I actually think Stack is now... Um, so I think Hawley's stat... I, 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 I love Bashel Hawley. I think he's a legend of the club. Um, uh, if we hadn't given away life membership, I'd say he, he deserved the life membership. Or arguably should be in the AFL Hall of Fame for what he's done to um, off the field as well. I think there's a lot... Of, there is some sugar in Hawley's stats. Um you know, he's better in fantasy football than he is in real life. I think if you look at his ball movement, I think his ball movement's still okay. I mean, I, I just think what I'm coming to is I actually think right now Sydney Stack is already the best of the three of them when you count his defensive work. What do you reckon? Uh, defense, yeah, on actual defensive capabilities, you're spot on. And I've said that a few times on on our show that the one thing he does better than Jaden Short is actually defend the player. Um, yes. Short's very good offensively, probably better than Stack in that regard in terms of depth of kick and things like that. But from a pure defensive standpoint, Stack's got him covered. And someone uh, on our show actually mentioned or threw the idea up of maybe could Jaden Short play as a half forward given his long raking kick. Doesn't have to worry too much about being super defensive, um, just has to apply that forward pressure like the other guys do, but he's also a bit more of a weapon. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like, you need to see it, don't you? Um, like, he played a bit... Remember, he, I think he debuted as a forward? Yeah, I think uh, he did. Uh, and kicked a couple of goals. Um, but, you know, it, it is... it is Some players aren't as good playing with their backs, backs to goal. Yeah. Uh, so... You'd sort of want to see it a bit in the VFL. Um, the only problem is we're sort of stacked in the forward line as well. We are, yeah. It is a bit loaded up front, but I mean, do you think he would provide better output than one of Castagna or Butler? Oh, the the perennial fan um, desire to upgrade Castagna. Um, uh, I I think it's tempting, but I just think he just doesn't have the body or the physical presence that Castagna gives. Um, I, I know that. I know it's not what we think of him, but I think the, the Dimmer loves Castagna partly because of he brings more things to the table, um, including utter chaos, which is Dimmer sometimes thinks is a good thing. But I mean, what would you, what would you do? Um, I would prefer to keep Castagna in because he actually plays a bit taller than what he is. For me, Butler would be the one on thin ice. Um, I don't know. I feel like Short might be a bit more threatening around goal than Butler. And sometimes I don't know if you've noticed, but it looks like he's a little bit lazy um just doesn't go hard enough for the ball on certain occasions whether he's anticipating something else happening i'm not too sure what's going through his mind but i I, yeah i think i agree with you that it would be good to see him if he's coming back through the vfl i would try him up forward to see how that goes and just as to give ourselves another option because yeah i don't know how i'd feel if we were dropping hawley because while defensively he's not the best of the three offensively he's one of our main ball users so we, we don't want to take that away from our structures as well yeah well i, I think hooley's hooley's been so good in a few of 
the games where we're really short on players, and I think he's got a lot of credit in the bank, aside from his whole career. Um, and don't forget, Bolton's coming back too, so the the small forward uh, um, lineup's getting even more crowded. He's impressed me, Bolton. Um, not so uh, he's obviously been okay and to good in the AFL, but what's impressed me most about him is how he's responded in the VFL. Both times he was dropped, he come back with massive, massive games, like high tackle numbers, high possession numbers, uh, running through the midfield. And that's a really good sign for a young kid. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree. Because um, he, he he has in the past sulked when he went back to the uh, yeah. VFL. And he, uh, he hasn't. Um, just on the injuries or something um, uh, that I really liked is Marlon Pickett seems not that far away. He's a bit of a wild card, isn't he? A lot of people are sort of speculating he could come in, you know, rounds 19-20 or 20-21-22. What kind of role do you sort of see him playing for us? I Probably off the wing, uh, rotating through the centre, wouldn't you? Yeah, whose spot does he take, though, is the only thing. I mean, dare I say, Brandon Ellis might be in the firing line if if he sort of tails away again, but his last couple of weeks have been okay. Um... Yeah, I mean, Camden McIntosh, I think, is in career-best form, so I wouldn't be taking him out of the team. Now, well, what do you, where do you stand on the Brandon Ellis? Um... Early on, I think he deserved a lot of criticism, and I was a person who gave it to him for that as well. He was shirking contests, turning the ball over. Um, his position's the wing, and I think that's what it comes down to. Every time we've tried to play him in the back line for whether we're short on numbers or personnel, whatever it might be, it just doesn't work. He just panics too much. But on the wing, he becomes a bit more of a weapon. Um, he can obviously run all day. He's got a good tank. But if Pickett can run all day, I'm not sure what his aerobic capacity is like. But if he can run all day and has better skills, then maybe he has to be tried on the wing. Yeah, look, I, I just our midfield's falling over at the moment. Um, it feels like we, we need bodies. I mean, Jack Ross's injury was just a tragedy yeah. um, uh, for the team structurally. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll have to... We'll know when he starts playing VFL where they play him because uh, they're not going to experiment with him. They're going to play him in the position they want to play ones with and see whether he can get it done. Yeah. But the sort of the romance, maybe the Townsend experience and the uh, uh, Jack Graham experience has sort of given us this unrealistically optimistic... Uh, belief that people can come into a team in round 20 and uh win a premiership i I don't think i don't think that's the normal it's not it's not normal no but i don't know one thing that our club has that others maybe don't is a really good culture and and system so the beauty of our system though is you don't need skill to be able to play it because it's all application and pressure based um so as long as he can do those things and he's got the, the hand or finger injury but he can still work on his running and his um, speed and all that kind of stuff. So by the time he's right to go, it's just going to be a matter of does he have that same touch that he had when he was playing back in Perth. And I think they'll definitely give him a crack in the last couple of weeks just to see what happens because if he lights it up, he's a definite wild card. Yeah, well, definitely be uh, definitely be uh, interesting. Um, I'm 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 very excited about him because I'm probably less... Jack Ross, I say, is four weeks away from resuming football. Like, that's tough. You've missed the yeah. middle of the season. You've lost a lot of condition um, on a lower ankle injury where Pickett's at least been able to... He's running right now, so at least he's in shape. That's right. And I suppose the other two on the injury list, or the, the big names anyway, is Nankervis and Rewalt. I personally think they've got both them earmarked to come back for round 17 against GWS. Um, maybe one of them might slip out a week longer. How, how do you think they're tracking... Well, um, 
you know, I still have nightmares about what Nang did. Uh, sorry, what Monford did to us in the last game. Um, uh, so, you know, it wasn't probably wasn't Nang's finest hour, but um, yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, uh, because you know, our forward line's not functioning as well as it has with Jack, but you know, you just it, that's a really serious injury that Jack has. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm less confident about both of them because they're, bo- they're both, I mean, every AFL player is like this, but they both, you know, they rely on a lot of power through their legs. Um, and, yeah, um, we'll wait and see. But, um, yeah, I'm, I, I have less immediate hope for them than the others. The other name that keeps popping up is Alex France. And just really, I mean, all things being equal, he should be out for the year. But... Rance being Rance and the club not putting him on the long-term injury list, I thought personally was a really interesting move because it was the obvious choice to have that mid-season selection. Obviously, Grigg put his hand up to retire because his body was uh, not coping very well, but that wasn't the obvious choice at the time, I don't think. So I, I still think there's a glimmer of hope that if we're playing finals, um, I think Rance would be a genuine chance to come back. Well, I hope you're right. Um, it would be so exciting. I mean, it's just such a pity that you can't just sort of do it WWE style and just turn off the lights and have him run back onto the field, you know, sort yeah. of halfway through the third quarter. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, uh, it, it's um, it, it's an exciting dream to believe on. I, I don't think they'll do it because I think they'll do the risk assessment and realise he's not in great shape and just say no. But uh, for whatever reason, you know, they, they've decided, as you say, they've decided not to put him on the long-term injury list. So, there is still that hope. I think it just comes down to with how fit of a human being he naturally is. He's obviously recovering quite well. Had the same surgery that Goldsack had from Collingwood, which is the quadricep graft. So the recovery time is a little bit quicker in that sense as well. Um, I just think it's a good ace to have up our sleeve. And I think we both know, and all Richmond supporters would know, that our medical staff are pretty good these days. And There's no way they would let him play if his knee wasn't 100% sound. Um, I think it'll come down to a conditioning factor, whether he'll be actually match fit enough. But I'll put this to you. If we say hypothetically we go into an elimination final, Rance's knee is fine, that's cleared. Hasn't played the games in the build-up though. Do you play an 80% fit Rance from a match fitness perspective ahead of a Garth weight? Wrong week to be asking that question. Because I think right now everyone will be saying absolutely yes. Uh, and that's not to shit King. I, I felt bad for Garth. That was what what happened against Adelaide wasn't his fault in my books. That was a lack of midfield pressure. So yeah, I don't want people to think that's a shot at what happened with the Crows. But no, no, I, don't, I, I didn't interpret it that way. I'm just saying though oh. that you know, like it's you're asking on the week where you, uh, everyone's going to go, oh my god, yes, uh, let's get Rance back. Um, well, I, I have a I have a question for you. Yep. Um, you'd really um, should Rance come back um, and play well and we win another flag. Um, does he surpass Dusty as uh, the most favoured Tiger amongst Richmond fans? I don't know. He might, because maybe from a character perspective, he obviously does a lot more. He's a lot more out there and open, but I think when you, you sort of look at that 2017 season isolation, that was pretty special, but Rance has been sort of doing this year on year, hasn't he? He's probably been consistently yep. better for longer. But probably doesn't get the plaudits. I know he gets a lot of recognition, but when you sort of weigh up, I mean, Dusty's kicking goals from 50, um, bursting out the middle. Rance doesn't get the chance to do that. I mean, it's not his job to do that, but I think what Rance does is exceptional. Um, and from an overall 
perspective, you probably have to say Rance is probably the better player over a longer period of time at this stage. I think the I'd be inclined on a net output uh, basis to agree with you, particularly when you consider that you know Dusty's opponents usually pretty busy. Um, the thing I would say is that also if you look at the um, the stories of the of the two players, is that players who've had to suffer a bit. Um, you know, it makes them more likable in the end. And we all know the thing, the challenges Dusty's overcome in his life was everything, you know, Rance is sort of, you know, for many years, everything was perfect in his career, was all Australian, everyone loved him, uh, yeah. there were no problems. And now suddenly he's had this massive setback. And if he was to courageously come back, I mean, God, it'd be a good story. It would be. And what you said about Dusty, spot on too. And I think a lot of us as supporters probably felt there was a lot of times he may have just gone off the rails and that was the end of it. We might not have seen him again. So um, whatever he has done from a supporting network perspective, whether it was Koch and Hardwick, whoever it might have been, family, friends, whatever he's done uh, is full credit to him because he's gone through some rough patches in his early days. Um, he's come out the side a better person, which is full credit to him. Yeah. Anyway, it would be... Uh, I, I certainly... It would be wonderful if Rance was, at the very least, if Rance was in contention for selection at the end of this year, it would mean that he'll do a free, full preseason, which would be yeah. wonderful. Yeah, interesting. I think it's a bit of a watch this space. Now, you guys are obviously well and truly on the Sydney, track, Sydney stack train, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, is there a Richmond supporter? I think the I think they've managed to track down a, a, a Richmond supporter in Outer Mongolia who's uh, not on the Sydney <laughs> Stack bandwagon, but uh, I think the rest of us... Uh, Microwave his membership. He doesn't deserve to be a supporter if he's not on that Stack bandwagon. There is just... He is, he is the... Um, he's the footballing... Uh, the footballing gift that keeps on giving. Now, I know you've done a bit of analysis. You want to do the redone, redo the draft, so I'm interested. Where would you draft him well, uh, now? I mean, pre-draft, there was a lot of talk that he was touted as top 15, top 20, just on pure ability, and the WA coaches pretty much confirmed that as such. And you know, like we all know now, it was a couple of mild things that clubs didn't like the look of, and um, he got overlooked, and we got him for free. But the top 10 that were taken in the draft, so Sam Walsh went number one, obviously very good player uh, for the Blues, averages 24 disposals a game. Jack Lukosius up at the Gold Coast, 8.8 disposals a game. Uh, Isaac Rankin for the Gold Coast as well, hasn't played a game yet. Max King hasn't played a game yet, I think he's at the Gold Coast as well. And Connor Rosie, I'll just do the top five. So Connor Rosie rounds out the top five at Port Adelaide, uh, 15.5 disposals a game and 4.2 tackles a game. Um, so two of those top five haven't played yet. Granted that Max King's had injury issues, so we, we can't read too much into that. Um, but Rankin's meant to be a good player, um, and like I said, Walsh and Lukosius are, but Stack averages the 17.3 disposals and 3.2 tackles a game. But for me, it's about his efficiency with the ball. I mean, there's not too many mistakes he's made, and if he were to do that top five draft again... I mean, I, we can probably say we're biased because of Richmond supporters, but I think he has a fair case to be putting his name, his hand up for pick one or two. Um, Based on pure <laughs> output this year, I know I know a lot of it comes down to, like it literally comes down to teams' needs and wants at that point in time, and that's fine. But based on sheer output, I think he's ahead of Lukosius at this stage. Granted, Lukosius is a, a different type of player, um, yep. and so is Walsh, but... On impacting games, his clean ball handling skills, his defensive work, I think, yeah, I think he'd have massive stake to, to put his hand up for top two or top three at a minimum. 
Yeah, look, and, you know, to support your argument, uh, well, I mean, Sam Walsh is sort of killing it, but um, Lukosius, uh, I mean, he's, he's a young tall, he's obviously going to develop slowly, but you know, he's averaging nine, stat, nine touches a game. Um, I think it's fair to say that if you were picking someone, uh, if the world was going to end in October and you were picking, you were redoing the draft class to play for the rest of the season, I think Sydney Stack goes number one or two. Yeah, I think that's a fair enough call. Yeah, people will call us biased, but I think even non-Richmond fans would accept the fact that he's had a ripper year uh, and just what he brings to the table is just exceptional. And the fact that we got him for nothing is ridiculous. It is, and I'll just point out, because you've been um, too polite to say it, but, uh, um, you know, Sydney Stack is even better than uh, Liam Stocker's uh, 13 touches a game, which will cost <laughs> the, the, the Blues and number one pick in next year's draft. <laughs> How good was that moment? That was one of the highlights of the draft day for me. There was no oh, need I, to do that. I can't. I've, uh, Nick and I broke down the, the video they had of uh, the Carlton War Room. And it was, oh, that would have been good. It was like, it was just, as we discussed, it was like watching... Guys who've never met before read out a script of what someone thinks an AFL draft room is like, but not what it's actually like. <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, one of the highlights. And it's good because there's actually a Twitter account going around that gives uh, weekly updates on what pick Adelaide oh, I, are getting I, and what pick Carlton are I getting. follow it. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm totally there. I'll throw you... It is, yes, it is still possible that um, the Blues can recover or not. It's probably it's almost certainly top two, isn't it? Um, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it, it is possible it won't be the number one pick. But we can always dream. Hopefully, it stays that way just for laughs. Oh, absolutely. The Carlton winning the wooden spoon that never gets old. No. Um, um, but uh, the the flip side is the Crows have sort of become a perennial rival of us, and uh, it's actually sort of hurt us a bit, really. It has a little bit, although I, I don't know. I'm not fully buying into them just yet. I know they beat us by thirty odd points, but I, there's a lot of junk time goals. I know they dominated early, but they should put us away by a lot more. So I don't know. I, waiting to see their form over the next, you know, three or four weeks. Um, I'm not sure if they play any top four sides, but it'll be interesting to see how they go. Yeah, I think that's fair. I I, I just think that game had a massive asterisk. But I wonder whether we almost gave up. Um, we tanked it because. You listen to them talk. So many of the players had well, if, so many of the players they talked about. Well, if we had two more days, we would have we might have played them like that. Yes. Sound, sounds a bit to me like we just decided well, there's just too many guys in the maybe category. Let's just give up and load up for the second half. I'm with you on that, hundred yeah. percent. Speaking of the second half, we've obviously got the Saints this week. A massive game for both clubs. We're both essentially fighting for our top eight hopes. St Kilda are probably, I would say, less likely than likely to make it, just sort of given their overall position, given they had a good start of the year. But we sit ninth on 28 points and with 92%, and they sit 11th on 24 points. Last week, they got pantsed by Brisbane um, at Marvel by 56 points. And uh, the only thing I was praying for, and you might be the same thing, was please do not sack their coach midweek so we have to put up with that twice. Yeah, exactly. Also, the Norse annoyingly seem to have got two weeks of bonus from sacking their coach. Um, uh, but the... Um you look at the, the Saints all year, uh, the whole year has been fluff. Um, the wins have been against really bad teams. Um, they got temporarily hyped up. You, you might remember they became the darling team. Yep, early uh, on. Yep. Early on, well, they were 4-on-1. Well, those wins were based on uh, beating the Swans in Melbourne. Sorry, the, the Suns in Melbourne, beating the Bombers at Docklands. Uh, 
beating uh, the Hawks at Docklands and beating the Demons. Now, so that's the four. That's their four wins um, out of the five games. Now, in hindsight, none of those wins are very impressive. They look better at the time, um, but you look at their losses. They, you know, most of their losses have been heavy. Um, their recent games are poor. Uh, you know, they got destroyed by uh, the power. Um, their recent win was against the Suns. Um, they got absolutely trounced by the Lions last week. Obviously, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, just you, you look at their season as a whole; it's it's rubbish. Um, it is, yeah. They're not a good football team. Uh, they, their record is flattered by the fact they had a soft draw. Yeah, that's right. You, yeah, you take those first four out, or even halve it, and um, I mean it's even more diabolical than what it is now. But they got a couple of big names back in Jake Carlisle and Dan Hanbury for his first game. Uh, good inclusions on the surface, but I mean Hanbury, it's his first game, so he's going to have to adjust to a whole new system. The match fitness and Carlisle, same kind of thing, spend a bit of time out. But I'm not too sure, I mean, who else would have to really stay on top of. But the one thing that stood out for me in their game against Brisbane was their turnovers were horrific. If if we apply a good amount of pressure, they're going to cough the ball up quite a number of times. It's just up to us to capitalise. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah you know, I've heard that, exactly what you just said. A couple of people who watched the game make that observation that their, their skills are poor. Um you know, there is a chance, you know, who, who not, when there's so much variability in our team, uh, there's always a chance uh, that they'll put on a good performance. And we'll all remember the 2017 game against the Saints at Docklands, yes, which, yep. which was the, the massive outlier. But it's it's really, we're currently 21 and a half point favourites. Um, and I just, it seems justified to me, which seems irrationally confident for a team that's, Badly lost its two last two games in a row, but I just uh, I sort of agree with everything you said. There's no one on that list that worries me. Um, they literally don't have a player in the top 50 in the AFL rankings. Um, I don't. Uh, Hanbury makes me sad because he's once a champion, but um, the the empirical evidence is that he's washed up. Um, yeah, Jade Gresham's probably the only one. We spoke about that off air. That every time we play, yeah. Jade Gresham pops up and kicks four or five. He's a good little player. Um, yeah, he can I'd, play. He's having a good season. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Sydney Stack maybe pay some close attention to him when he's in the front half. Yeah, that'd be I mean, that'd be the exciting matchup, wouldn't it? Yeah, just good for, yeah from a pure spectacle point of view. I think that'd be really fascinating to watch. The um, other interesting thing is both St Kilda and Richmond have been really poor in contested football in recent times, and that's been a pretty big bugbear of mine with our game, and it, it, it's honestly a large part of the reason why we've lost some of these matches. Um, what changes do you see us making personnel-wise or structure-wise to help try and win that contested ball number? Well, it's a really tough one, isn't it, the contested ball uh, stat, because it's a product of you know so many other things about how, how you're getting into contests, whether you're outnumbering. I mean, we've never been great at... Con- even in the Premiership year, we weren't fantastic, but we're, we're now just awful. Uh, are we last in the AFL right now? I think we're pretty close to. I think we're uh, close, yeah. Yeah, um, and we, we still have a winning record. Um, but uh, you know, the the simple answer is uh, personnel, isn't it? Um, yeah. You know, maybe with I mean, Cochin and Edwards are normally quite you know right up high for us in those two stats. So you know, that gives me a lot of hope. What do you think? Um, Koch coming back definitely helps. Dusty's playing better. Um, it's not our, obviously our A graders when they're in there are doing enough, but it's when our second stringers go in there like Higgins, 
Uh, if Edwards goes in there, I feel like we're a little bit too light on, and that's where Jack Graham, I suppose, comes into a little bit to lock down. But, yeah, it's an interesting balancing act. Whether we have to mix more of the A graders with B graders, I'm not sure just to find that balance. But I think Soldo coming back in is going to help solve a lot of those problems. I know he's not the most gifted footballer uh, from a pure footballing sense, but his tap work is pretty good, and it helps give us first use and a bit more control and direction in the midfield. Well, I really hope you're right because I'm I'm an old ruckman and I, I really would like to believe that ruck work is meaningful. Um, and it, it's it's sometimes it's hard to prove that in an AFL context. And Soldo is good at ruck work. Um, uh, you know, I think he's actually better than Nank. Um, yeah, I agree. Yep. Uh, so that if I, what I, I just love it if if Soldo came on and we won the hitouts, we won the clearances, we won the contested ball. And we won the game. Obviously, that that would make me that chain of events uh, happening would make me very happy, um, almost as happy as a um, Sydney stack bump. Yeah, that'd be good to see as well. He's very good at those. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, fortunately, St Kilda doesn't have as many hateable players as I used to, so I can't really, um, you know, there's there's no one on in St Kilda anymore. I, I bear a, 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 any ill will to. Um, no, no, yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, actually, young Josh Battle, who plays them, I played um, cricket with. In, oh, yeah? He, yeah, played local cricket with him. He's a really good kid and coached against him in football. So he was playing for Narry South Lines and I was coaching for Fountain Gate. And yeah, he always tore us to shreds. He was just that much bigger than everyone else. So, no, I, I like young Josh. Good kid. But yeah, I'm, I agree. There's no one really there that I would dislike. But all the same, it'd be nice to see Sydney Stack run through someone fairly and, and win a, a good hard ball get. Yeah, I do really feel for Saints fans because they've just been down. You know, they didn't quite get there. It was the worst kind of good team as one that gets so close and then doesn't win the title. Yeah. And then the the rebuild's gone on far too long and it, it almost feels like they're going to have to start again um, or at least to uh, sort of they're going to have to burn down half the rebuild and sort of do... I mean, It's an awkward spot, isn't it? It is, and look, people sort of forget that Richmond sort of did the same thing. You know, the Terry Wallace rebuild failed, but most of the key players on were on the Richmond list when Dimmer took over. Um, so uh, there's a bit of, you don't, a rebuild doesn't have to be complete, but they, um, they're going nowhere this year. Like, there's just, the, as you said, they've got had injury, but not enough to explain what's been an awful season. Yeah, that's and, right. And as, as you know, you correctly identified. Uh, I mean, what are you, the chances of Richardson seeing out the year are pretty slim. Yeah, and if it goes pear shaped for him this week, it might bring it on a little bit quicker than maybe even he thinks. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, we spoke about before with the injuries. Obviously, quite a few guys coming back in. Um, what do you sort of foresee the changes being? I mean, it's going to be potentially five changes. I mean, chaos, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's been a long time since we would have had uh, five changes. I'm just trying to go back and find our team lineup from the Adelaide game. So you would say, I mean, I, I, you would say Chol for Soldo. Do you reckon that's going to be yep. the first yep. one? Uh, Menadu is probably going to come out for Shadow probably. Yeah. Uh, who else we got? Uh, so Bolter, Patrick Nash will probably miss. Yeah, and so Cochran will probably come in. Who, I mean, if, if we're looking at sort of like-for-like positional-wise, it's like a, a Jack Graham or a... I suppose it might have to be for a Nash, potentially. 
Yeah, I just I'm not sure Nash actually had a position when they bought him in. He looked all right. Though. I didn't. I didn't mind the the game time he had. Oh, not not at all. I think but, they bought him in because he was the best player in the VFL. Yeah, uh, they they didn't bring him in because they really had a spot for him. So I think they might actually. So Jack Graham was, uh, you know, he he was actually better statistically than he was in all those games he sort of played in 2017 and 18. So there's no way he's going to get dropped. Um, uh, so, you know, he, as much as not everyone, he did a lot of tackling people just after they kicked the ball away uh, against the Adelaide game. I, you know, yeah. he's playing this week. Um, but I guess the big question is who comes in for Bolton? Well, I mean, there's been a lot of question marks over Rioli's form, and I think that's probably justified this year. I think he's been a little bit down. Um he needs to find confidence and form quickly. Baker, I don't think you can drop. I think he's been good. But the other player that may get looked at for a break is Higgins, potentially. Uh, maybe it's an isolated game, but the, I found he was really fumbly at some crucial times in the Adelaide game. Yeah, and I know particularly one thing you're referring to is that centre square clearance at a crucial moment where he dropped it. Um, it was a very painful moment. Uh, but, you know, the weird thing is he's still, according to the advanced metrics, he's still weirdly productive even I think there's sort of been an arc of Jack Graham expectations and fans have now got used to his good play and now have raised the bar on him and uh, he's not quite meeting their expectations but he's still sort of okay Um, so yeah I I think I think he's a really borderline one and Butler might be the other one that might go out for Bolton potentially yeah that probably seems more straightforward doesn't it I think it'd be I think it'd might be it would be popular amongst some sections of the Richmond <laughs> internet that's for sure um, uh, but yeah I'm just uh, checking uh, well, it's tough because uh, Butler and Rioli both had 11 possessions it's it's hardly um, uh, Rioli did have two goals though I know god this is quoting basic stats but um, you know the person who's very who won't get dropped but potentially could deserve it who's that Josh Caddy Oh, that's a big call. Yeah, I don't think he will. Yeah. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, he's not he's not setting the world on fire. Not like he was in previous years. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, but the I, last one, obviously, Asprey coming in, is that just a straight swap for Garthwaite, do you think? Or I will think they... That's a, would they go taller again? I don't think I don't think we have to. We're, I mean, Broad can play tall... Uh, Bolter can play both ends, although I really hate seeing him in the back line. He needs to just run free and do whatever he wants. I think that works best for us and for him. Um, so, Completely. yeah, maybe Garthway for Asprey could just be just a straight swap, potentially. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think that, I think they'll be very keen to get um, uh, Asprey, Asprey back as the centre-half back to be the centre-piece. I mean, you can go for a, a balance argument. You can go that... You, You'd argue that Garthwaite and uh, Asprey should be in the same team, um, and that means that you'd never have to see Walter, as you say, in the back line ever again. Um, but, you know, from a player management perspective, you might want Ryan to uh, get some form back. Yeah, yeah. I, it's going to be an interesting selection. Uh, yeah, it won't be much fun being in that selection room on the Thursday night or whenever they do it, but good problems to have at least this time. Yeah, I think it'll be a lot more fun than um, than the opposite of uh, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know sort of this searching around the bottom of the playing our four string reckon, which we did last week. 
and Troll did alright. And I think it's probably a good time to maybe give the VFL boys a big pat on the back as well because they've been uh, pillaged. Everyone's been going up playing seniors and they're still winning games and still sitting first. So I think that's credit to the VFL staff for getting those boys up to where they are. Oh, it's extraordinary. Um, it's just a pity uh, Fraser Turner's gone down. Um, yeah. So that, that's going to that's gonna hurt them. Um, uh, and looking wishes coming back slowly, though. But, yeah, um, I think they... Um, I think Marlon Pickett, if nothing else, will be a badly needed boost for our Richmond VFL finals campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, before we let you go, we'll get a tip including margin. What's your call for the game? Mm-hmm. Um, oh god, I hate this because I I always think about relative to the betting line. Um, uh, oh. I, okay, I'm g- going to come across with a hot take. Um, I think they this is a game where they break um, and their heads drop, and they know the coach has been sacked. So I think we win by thirty-five. I like it. Yeah, I'm around the same ballpark as you. I reckon Tigers by about, yeah, 30, 30, 35. I reckon that's pretty much on the money with how this will end up. So I think it'll be a hot contest early, uh, just yeah, because and this, and this, to prove a point. But and, I don't and this is a big call by us. We're also playing Marvel, which we do not play well this year. Yeah, I know, but I, I, I think there's two factors. Is I mean, internally, if we've set ourselves for a big second half of the year, I'm really anticipating us breathing fire right from the start and, and playing that 2017, 2018 uh, precious style of game because we have to win. This is non-negotiable. We have to win. So I'd be shocked if we didn't come out um, all guns blazing. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Um, and a reminder to everyone, the game is on Sunday the 30th at 10 past 1 at Marvel Stadium. And it's Maddie's match, of course. Um, so it's uh, in support of Maddie Rewalt's vision. So please make sure you do donate and support this fantastic cause to help find new treatments for bone marrow failure. Uh, the Rewalt family have obviously done a, a fantastic job in raising awareness and both St Kilda and Richmond fans alike will obviously do their bit to, to help raise some much-needed funds. Andy, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, mate. Thanks for accepting the invitation, and um, I think it's been fantastic to be able to sort of cross paths and do a, a joint podcast. It's been really interesting. I think so. Um, the the um, May a thousand flowers bloom in the Richmond podcasting world. Although I think I think two fan ones is enough, don't you? I think so. I think we're both doing a good job. Both fill different places in the market, and it's good. It's, I really enjoy running it alongside by side with you guys, and I think listeners can cross over between both brands and, and get entertainment out of both and good value. So keep up the good work on your end. Uh, when's your next show coming up? Uh, we might do one tomorrow. Um, it depends whether Nick can get free, but um, we shall see. The problem is uh, I've just used all my, my good material in this podcast, so I'm, <laughs> I might have nothing more to say. But I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll um, catch up. Uh, if we win the 2019 uh, flag, we'll do um, a live fo- podcast together. Not live, Absolutely. but we'll record one together. Absolutely. We'll go ballistic. All right, mate. All right. Thanks for your time, mate. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!